This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. One thing is for sure, Pep was on his burner account again this week, but it appears some tweets were lost in translation. However, City pick up a vital three points at Stamford Bridge to cut Arsenal's lead at the top to just five. We're here to discuss the roller coaster of emotions from that Chelsea match and more. It's Friday, January 6th. I'm Adam Booker. I'm Oliver Lowe. And this is the City Report Podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Welcome back, Oliver. Oof, what a night. We're, we are literally hitting record less than 10 minutes after the full-time whistle at Stamford Bridge. Plenty of emotions throughout that game. Our, uh, our city report group chat was very, very heated on the night. Let's jump straight into it since we're, we still got the emotions flowing. What did you make of a bizarre 90 minutes? Um, I'm exhilarated. I feel like I've been thoroughly entertained and pound for pound, just one of the most entertaining Premier League matches I've ever seen. Um, obviously sarcastic. <laughs> it was it was very dull in parts. Um, I say in parts for the majority. Um, it felt like watching someone beat a dead horse, as the expression goes. Um, obviously happy happy that we came away with the result that is the main thing it closes the gap after arsenal drew the other day um and you know hopefully we can continue to pick up results but something just feels stale at the moment um i know we've touched on it in the past few days in the podcast um but yeah it just something's not right and um i'm hoping that you know whilst pep's scrolling through twitter tonight someone will give him the answer and giving his thoughts as well on his experience at stanford bridge tonight here is everyone's favorite host mr amos murphy hello it's amos um 
just about back from Stamford Bridge. The time is 2.57am, so a nice early night for me. Another 1-0 victory at the bridge for City. Uh, two in a row, two of which I've been to, so it's starting to turn into a little bit of a tradition. Um, where to start with that game? Dear me, first half... Possibly Pep Guardiola's worst in charge of Manchester City. I don't know if that's been a little bit reactionary, but Cancelo and Kyle Walker on the same side. Phil Foden playing this sort of weird left-back position, left-wing-back position. Yeah, it, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't an enjoyable, uh, it wasn't an enjoyable watch. Second half, though, that's where you're earning money as a manager, and I think it's fair to say Pep Guardiola stepped up for City. He brought on Rico Lewis, he brought on Akanji, he brought on um, Jack Grealish, and, and obviously he brought on Riyad Mahrez, two of which, two of the latter players, combined for the final goal. It's a massive win for City, and I, I still feel as if something isn't quite right with the setup, with the squad, with the players. Phil Foden was hacked off, um, you could possibly say. Bernardo Silva played well but was brought off. Uh, Rodri, again, another player who was brought off. Key players being brought off at the at the time when you'd thought City would go on and get a winner. Interesting. Food for thought, perhaps, but it keeps City in the title race for another week at least. Cup break now. Chelsea on Sunday, Southampton in midweek before a massive, possibly the most influential, the most defining Manchester derby in recent years. A United team very much in form, a City team despite results probably not in form. So it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. But yeah, cracking night at the bridge, another victory, a cracking away day, cracking lads. And yeah, up the blues. Yeah, I mean, you know, we did obviously pick up a really vital victory, but you could probably go back to you and I coming on here after the Everton game and, and copy and paste our discussion from that night. Um, you know, let, let's let's start on the lineup because obviously we saw the 11 players and everybody was pretty over the moon with, with the team selection. Cancelo and Walker back in the team, Foden back in the team, Bernardo Silva back in the team. And we kind of felt like, Pep is, is reverting to type and, and going back to the, the 4-3-3 that we know and love. Four at the back, overlapping fullbacks, get the wingers in, in high and wide positions and get them into space. Um, but it was anything but that. You know, it was something along the lines of a 3-2-2-3 again. Um, Cancelo and Walker playing on the same side as each other and, and running into each other throughout the first half and obviously led to them getting subbed at halftime. Um, which we'll get to. But what did you make of the the lineup in the first place? And and you don't even have to take it from an hour before kickoff because obviously an hour before kickoff, that 11 looked completely different than, than right at kickoff. It felt like sort of a cruel, twisted curse to me. You know, when someone says, you can have all the money in the world, but you can never spend it. Or, you know, you can marry your celebrity crush, but you'll never truly be happy. Or like, or It felt like that because it was, you know, sort of, okay, right, you've got, Pep said it himself, he said, this is the, the lineup that the fans want, but it's not going to be in any way, shape or form played in the system that you want it to be. And that just felt like such classic Pep. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I was pretty quiet um, on social media b- before the game. Uh, I was just having my tea, switched on the game um, about two minutes in, to be honest. And um, first thing that I saw was Cancelo and Walker on the same side. And I, I was like, Oh, okay. Cancelo's just drifted over for one attack. Like that, that's fine. And then, obviously, as the game started to progress, I was like, "No, 
no, no, this is an actual thing that's happening um, for the foreseeable for at least the first half. So, um, look, it's the, it's the delight, it's the frustration, it's the wonderment of having Pep Guardiola for a manager. Um, I think all City fans feel trepidation about questioning him at times because he quite literally is one of the greatest managers of all time. But then at the same time, it, it just feels like he's just, you know, continually hitting us in the face with a plank of wood. And it's like, please stop. Please just do something that is enjoyable for us. Um, I don't want to sound ungrateful because we won. And like you say, maybe I'm going off on a bit of a tangent. We won 1-0. It's a vital three points. So happy days. The overarching emotion is joy, even if it doesn't sound like it. But... Um, yeah, just what a man, what a confusing, amazing man he is. Yeah, he is. Uh, for me, I hope what we get out of this is a lesson learned because, you know, we go somewhat revert back to type in this in the second half with, with Rico Lewis and Akanji coming on. And of course, there was three center backs back on the pitch, which we kind of all dreaded in the past few weeks. Um, but it did look a little bit more like Classic City. They were getting a lot more overloads in, in wide positions and, and creating a lot of issues for that Chelsea back line. What do you make of the subs at halftime? Obviously, Kyle Walker and Cancelo coming off, Rico Lewis and Akanji coming on. Weirdly, we were all calling for, for changes at halftime. I don't think that that was the change we were expecting or even really looking for. I, I think for me, the issues with Walker and Cancelo in that half were partly that they were out of form, maybe not fully fit, um, but partly they were put into a position to fail, in my opinion. Um, you know, I said on Twitter many times throughout that first half that if you are getting players back into the fold, the worst thing you could do with them is put them in an unfamiliar role because you know they're 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 learning a new role at the same time as trying to get their feet back under them. Um, so what did you make of those changes? Because I was a bit confused by them. I mean, in the end, they they do work. Um, but what did you make of those changes at halftime? Um, I felt like, you know, as you sort of said there, Walker and Cancelo maybe felt a bit, I don't want to say unjust to bring them off, but it felt like they were very much victims of, um, you know, their own circumstance. They were put in that unfamiliar system on the same side together, first game back for both of them after the World Cup. And, um, you know, they, they sort of fell short, the system fell short and, and they were the ones to sort of, um, you know, see see the um, the outcome of that. Um, I mean, it was more the system change that was more interesting than the substitutes itself. The, the substitutes allowed City to go back to the system that, um, you know, suited them better, get Rodri back into the midfield. And not that I like to use Jamie Carragher as a point of reference when when discussing um, football and opinions, but he, he did make a really good point. And it was true that Man City just came out in that second half and they had their zip back and the players looked more comfortable. And I think that, you know, I think sometimes we do underestimate how much of a, how much of a psychological effect, um, you know, an unfamiliar system can have on a team and it you said it in the in the city report um group chat you know i sort of said system aside you've got kdb misplacing passes you've got gundwan it looks like he's missing a yard you you've got bernardo who is just like, like things just aren't coming off for and i said what what is that what's causing that and you said well you know the be all and end all of it is is going to be the system because it's sort of deteriorating their confidence and the second we went back to that system that looked a little bit more like the classic city setup 
KDB started, you know, zipping passes into Haaland, which he hadn't done at all in the first half. Players started to look a bit more comfortable and confident on the ball. And we made a really positive start to the second half. So, yeah, I sort of thought that going back to, um, you know, that, that more familiar setup worked well for us and it had a, a, a positive effect on the players themselves. Let's move on to some individuals because we are talking about the system and I think that's the kind of overriding point to all of this. But there were some players who had some absolute stinkers, one being Kevin De Bruyne, who since coming back from Qatar has just has just not looked himself and, and you know, carrying on from this Everton game a few days ago. He looks kind of the same. He looks sluggish. He's misplacing passes. His his crosses seem to end up in goal kicks about seventy-five percent of the time. Um what do you make of him right now? We we spoke uh, on the last episode with Amos and Alex about how he is totally undroppable, but he is prone to these spells of just these bizarrely bad performances. And do you do you do anything with him going forward? Do you sit him down for a couple of days to 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 have him rest, or do you keep playing him through this? And I was the one to say he's undroppable, and you play him through everything. But it, it feels like. He's he's an anchor at the moment. I'm not quite sure what you do with him. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I know we're going to touch on this in the second part, but um, one obvious solution remedy for me is to rest him at the weekend. Um, you know, I, I do sort of think it's peculiar with with De Bruyne because when he first came back um, and you know, had, had, has had an off game or two. I sort of pinned it on the World Cup, but then actually, you know, you look at it and Belgium left the competition fairly early. So he's had as much rest as anyone else coming back from the World Cup. And I don't know if maybe it's just, again, psychological. You know, his team has underperformed at a World Cup. He maybe feels partially responsible for that. He's come back. There's been a break in the season. He's not on his usual momentum, his usual stride, and that is having an effect on his game. That's one possible solution. Maybe it is fatigue, you know. Um, you know, maybe he's just trained a bit too hard. Maybe we've all been in these situations before when things aren't going right for us. So we, you know, almost try to overcompensate. And maybe he's doing that at the moment and he's just not playing his natural game. I agree with you. He's undroppable in the games where it matters. He has to play because ultimately um, Kevin De Bruyne is one of those players who can make you know, 10 terrible passes, but it's only the one that he makes that is brilliant, that can absolutely change a game. And normally he'll make 10 brilliant passes, but, you know, when he's in this sort of run and form, I still trust him to have a game-changing moment in him. But yeah, I think at the weekend, he, he needs a rest. Yeah, I completely completely agree with that. And we'll get on to that Chelsea game at the weekend um, and, and look ahead to that as well later on in this episode. But just a little bit more on this game before we do that. Uh, Jack Grealish and Riyad Mahrez came on for Bernardo Silva and Phil Foden. Um, and obviously they combined for the goal that, that ultimately won the game. It's an interesting story and one that makes me really happy because obviously Grealish has been kind of the, the name on everyone's lips since, since his performance at Leeds where he obviously he had the two assists, but he had some abysmal finishing. And um, he's arguably the most polarizing figure in a city shirt at the moment. Um, but it's fantastic to see him come on he influenced the game immediately, even before that assist. He was he was in and around the box and, and just kind of wreaking havoc. Um, but he gets the assist, a fantastic ball across the, bo- the box to Mares uh, to tap home. What a moment! I mean, I, I just I couldn't be happier for him after the performances that he's put in to to not have much end product to to finally get that end product. And especially, it's not a garbage time goal. 
It's not to put you 3-0 ahead, 4-0 ahead. It's it's a huge, huge goal to get three points away at a team in the big six and and chip away at Arsenal's lead. So, fantastic moment. Um, yeah, absolutely buzzing for Jack Grealish. Um, you know, you, you say he's probably the most polarised player in, in Man City at the moment, but let's be honest, he's probably been the most polarised player in Man City for the past year and a half now, 18 months. And... Um, that's definitely got to have an effect on him. So I, I can almost sometimes excuse these moments that he has where, let's be honest, he sort of overthinks in the box or overcompensates or, you know, he had that first half against Leeds because, you know, the pressure on his shoulder is immense. And I know he tries to ignore it as much as possible, but the price tag that came with him has got to have an effect um, because of the expectation that is set. But at the end of the day, when Jack Grealish plays his game, which I do feel like he's starting to little by little, week by week, more and more for Man City. He's a fantastic footballer who can affect games like this. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's what we brought him in for. You know, um, he wasn't known for being a big game player as such at Aston Villa, but I do think he has that in, in him. And, you know, there has been times this season where he's got two assists against Leeds. He scored the winning goal. Um, or the first goal against um, Wolves. And, you know, now tonight he's provided that assist. And to be honest, I think the messages of doubt are more for the wider footballing community than City fans, because for the large part, I do think most City fans see the value in him and they see the potential in him and they appreciate him and they see these moments and they think he's a fantastic squad player, not only in terms of a footballer, but he brings so much to the team in in regards to personality. He's obviously a fantastic human being, all the stuff that he does community-wise. And I think slowly but surely, all that stuff will start to... um, work and, and coincide in, in his footballing game and, you know, his um, his reputation at City. I think he will start to perform and tonight was definitely a little insight into that. It was brilliant that he came on, you know, within four minutes provided that assist. And um, yeah, I just think, I just think he, he's got so much value to add to this City team. Just real quick, is that the biggest moment of his City career so far? I'm trying to think back to some of last season in the title run in. I can't remember any moments that felt so vital for the team's season, not just an individual moment for him. I feel like that might be his biggest moment and, and most important moment in a city shirt so far. Yeah, I think besides all the amazing content that he gave us at the title <laughs> celebrations last year. Yes. <laughs> that is probably his most important moment in a city shirt so far. And, you know, hopefully a sign of more things to come. All right. That'll do for part one. Part two, we'll be back in a second to look ahead to yet another game against Chelsea, this time in the FA cup this weekend. All right, Oliver. I think this requires a bit of a discussion because had City run that 11 out on uh, this evening and steamed Chelsea from the off and we see players like Walker and Cancelo and Foden get back into the team and get back to doing what they do best, it would have made picking this team for, for this weekend's uh, cup fixture a lot easier. However, it didn't, didn't turn out that way. And basically everybody who we were calling for to get back in the team was yanked by the hour mark. Um, what do you do with the team this weekend? Because... I think it's clear at the moment there is about seven, eight, maybe nine guys that are in form and have to be in the team. 
but the fixtures are coming thick and fast and they're only going to get worse from here on out. Um, what do you do with the team this weekend? Um, I think it's an interesting question. Um, what one thing that I would note when, when it comes to games like these, which um, I think I sort of noticed due to Chelsea tonight, is that actually City have, um, you know, rightly or wrongly, um, loaned out a lot of their sort of youthful youthful players this season who would maybe normally benefit from these sort of games, especially within these, you know, sort of packed areas. I'm, you know, I'm talking about Yamakates, Doyle, uh, Delap. Um, hardwood Bellis, I suppose. Um, although he's been on loan for the past couple of seasons, um, so it does make it actually a bit more difficult because I feel like we actually have a, a slightly smaller squad than usual this season, um, due to some of those players going out on loan. And you know, as you touched upon, if things had gone maybe the way that City fans foresaw or, or hoped they'd have gone tonight, I think we'd be saying players like Rico Lewis um, should, you know, be getting another start. Um, and, you know, maybe a Kanji would have had a, had a nice start. But, um, yeah, but actually now that, that becomes a bit more difficult because, as you say, players like Cancelo, Walker coming off after the hour mark maybe means that now they're the ones that need to use this game to pick up a bit of form. You know, I think there are a few, maybe, don't want to say obvious, but a few um, changes that, I personally, and I think most City fans would agree with to make. So, you know, I maybe give Haaland a rest and bring in Alvarez um, after the World Cup. Um, you know, I, I, I maybe would um, give Walker a start and Cancelo a start, Ortega, stuff like that. But generally speaking, because of the smaller squad, and especially, I think, in defence, the injuries, you know, with Laporte and Diaz out, it makes it interesting as to, as to what we can do. Um, you know, not what we want to do, but what we can do in terms of this game and, you know, making sure that players are A, informed, but B, fit for, for this busy period. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree about the squad not being very big, but when you consider that the next game after Chelsea this weekend is is Southampton in, in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal, and you look at the bench from from tonight at Stamford Bridge, and you see names like Rico Lewis, Cole Palmer, Riyad Mahrez, Akanji, Gomez, Alvarez, Ortega, Grealish, Phillips. That's the whole bench right there. I would imagine probably everybody, but maybe Sergio Gomez starts at the weekend. Where it gets a bit confusing is, is a few of those like Lewis, Akanji. They came on at halftime. I don't know if Calvin Phillips has 90 minutes in him. We'll see. But we're in this weird situation now where... You have players like Walker, Foden, Cancelo, who need to get back in form. If City are going to do anything this season, if they're going to win any trophies, if they're going to go deep in any competitions, those players have to get back into form. So we're in a situation now where does Pep leave these guys on the bench to, to, to shoot a rocket up their ass, or do you have to play them to get them into form? And it's like, are we playing them out of form and now we're playing these crucial cup ties and we're going to be dropping out of all these competitions because we're playing out of form players? Or do we stick with an 11 that's working, but we don't have a big enough squad to deal with playing the same 11 every single week? So we're in this really stick, sticky situation. But I bet we see almost all of that bench, bar Gomez and maybe Lewis and Akanji who came on at halftime. I think we maybe see all of them start at the weekend. Yeah. Um, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, one, one thing that I would say, 
going to sound like sort of the opposite of Jurgen Klopp here, which is always a good thing in my opinion. Um, but I, I do sort of think that obviously, you know, we're, we're so focused on City as we should be um, that, you know, maybe sometimes we forget that we're not the only ones that have been affected by by the World Cup and we're not the only ones who have been affected by this sort of, you know, mid-season stoppage. Look, obviously other teams are less affected than us. I think we had the joint most players in, in sort of European football going to the World Cup. But you do have the teams that are maybe going to be competing for these trophies, especially domestically, um, who are facing similar problems. You know, you look at Liverpool, they did have, I think, something like nine players go. United had something like 10 or, or 12 go. Arsenal had something like eight or nine players go. So, you know... I don't. I don't want to say there's no reason for panic or there's no reason to take it into account because you're 100 percent right. City need not only their star players to get in form, but also the players who are going to contribute within those busy periods. But I do think that it's a wider problem as well, um, and one that you know you can sort of take that. I don't want to say maybe with a pinch of salt, but you can take that into account when thinking about this busy period and this schedule coming up. And um, for me as we get deeper into the season, it, it would be more the, the, the European aspects that, that comes to mind when we're, when we're thinking about, you know, scheduling conflicts, players at World Cup, so on and so forth. But um, yeah, I think this Sunday, the priority has just got to be making sure that we come out of it unscathed. Um, and I'm not just talking about a result. Um, you know, FA Cup can always go one of two ways, but mainly injuries. That will be honestly my main target for this Sunday. If we can get through... 90 minutes or 120 minutes with a fully fit squad then um, that would probably be the best result for me and a win would be a bonus Alright one final question before we get out of here if you had to choose one this weekend you either play a similar 11 that played at Chelsea and keep everybody that is in good form on the pitch to keep the momentum going or do you rotate? I rotate I rotate purely because it's the early rounds of the FA Cup. Chelsea will probably be doing a similar thing with all their injuries in mind. And as you mentioned, we've got the Southampton game coming up, which to me holds more weight, not only because it's deeper into the competition, but it's because it's the holy grail of all Man City football achievements. So, you know, if we're taking, if we're looking a few steps forward, I think I think rotate, get a few players like Cole Palmer, uh, Julian Alvarez, um, Maybe Sergio Gomez as well, um, Stefan Ortega, who maybe are playing a bit less regular at the moment, Calvin Phillips, try to get them up to speed and then um, hope hope that the, that the players who are maybe a bit out of form in our, in our usual starting eleven at the moment will start to, to pick up pace. I think shoehorning a Carabao Cup game against Southampton into a discussion about the FA Cup and the Premier League games against Chelsea. I think that's the perfect place to end this podcast. Before we get out of here, if you are new and enjoyed the show, please hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button, leave a rating, leave a review. It's the best way for us to get the show out to more blues like you. Oliver, any last words before we go? Um, I'm trying to think of some. Let me let me put it this way. Um, Grealish and Mahrez are the world's best winger partnership. Perfect. That'll do for the City Report podcast. See you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. 
great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.